0: listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr.
1: I'm happy to have my dad with me. He's been here. We finished Signs and Wonders camp meeting powerful. You can go back and watch those services. If you miss them, they're archived on Facebook uh, and YouTube. You can go back and watch those services. They were powerful. Um, But dad has taken the last few days and we've dealt with different issues that you've seen. You dealt with pride and how it's uh, one of the largest mistakes that'll destroy you personally, your ministry, your family. It's what
0: took the devil out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Pride is the number one culprit for destroying the plan of God. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that Satan, we read this in Isaiah, he said, I will, Mm -hmm. I will be like, or I'll take on the likeness of the most high God. I will ascend to the seats of God or the seat of God in the north and so forth. He said it five times, I will, I will. And every time that your personal will is magnified above God's will, you're headed for a fall. Yeah. All God simply said was, you won't. Mm-hmm. Now when the devil said, I will, that means he wasn't. But when God's name is mentioned, it's always I am. He already is. Yeah. And so all of sicknesses and diseases and wars and problems that people are experiencing come from the uh, attack of the devil Who has fallen. For example, fear opens the door to everything. But if you know the word, we're Mm -hmm. going to deal with that today, knowing the word. But let me give you a good example. Recently, the coronavirus has been on the news. Unfortunately, about nine people as of this morning in this nation have passed away due to that, usually elderly that have other medical problems, nine. But if you went by the media, you'd think this is like an epidemic. It's a pandemic. It really isn't. When you look at even uh, the last administration, in one year, 13,000 plus people died of the swine flu. Think about that. There was no media attention to that. It, what What happens is now, so then the Fed in response to this, they change the rates that affects the economy. Our current situation, one of the uh, people running, uh, for the presidency, he's standing on his economic, uh, uh, history in these last three years, the best in the history of the United States of America. So the only thing the devil can do is attack your success. God is all success. But if you know the word, so it's just crazy. Uh, at the expense of people, these attacks come and through fear and it affects your health, your finances. And this is all manipulation by what I call the puppet masters, men and women who have an agenda. And I believe, you want me to be honest with you? I believe their agenda is Satan's agenda. I believe that there are a group of. There is a group of people in our country, in the United States of America and globally, who get their marching orders from Satan. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it. In the last election, we found out that some of the advisors to one of the candidates were holding witchcraft cooking and all of this stuff filled Mm -hmm. with demons, filled with demons. And as the church, if you know the word, if you know the word, the devil can't trick you and the devil can't overcome you and the devil cannot succeed. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the word of God. And so the challenge for every one of these dear preachers that are on our friends, many of them, and every believer that's on, and we claim you as our friends, what we need to understand is The more word that you have, the less likely you are to be defeated. Your victory is in the word of God. And the devil knows that. That's right. So he will do things. He will do things to try to mess up your faith. Mm -hmm. But if you stick to the word, and we know in Romans, the 10th chapter, faith comes by hearing, (laughs) Hearing, hearing by the word of God. When I was younger, I don't know if you remember this. I had these cassette tapes of Alexander Scorby, an English dramatist who read the scripture and I'd play him just reading the scripture on those cassettes. Uh, later, I forget what happened, in, in a move we lost him so um, James Earl Jones came out with a set, yep. which I still have, and I'd listen to that. But I believe so strongly in the power of the word mm-hmm. of God that I used to read my devotions out loud. hmm Why'd you do that? Because it says faith comes by hearing. Right. Faith comes by hearing. You can hear it if, as you speak it. And we need to create an atmosphere. And today, this is what a lot of what we're going to deal with is about. You and I, friend, and, and get this in your heart, you determine your next victory, not God. You determine your next breakthrough, not God. Mm-hmm. God's already done all he's going to do. He's given us his word. Christ gave his life. He was resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says whatever is born of God overcomes this world, this present system. And so I'm looking forward to this because if we can just somehow jumpstart you to fall in love with the word of God, to memorize it, to read it, to confess it. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to go from victory unto victory. You're going to go from glory unto glory, the Bible says. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. We're going to live a life of victory. Yes. From Bangladesh, <laughs> Krishna's back on again today, and we prayed for her, her daughter yesterday, if you'll recall. Billion eight's back. Yep. We know it's a woman, <laughs> knows it's a voracious note taker. But we, other than that, we have no other clues. So literally, our will has to come in line with the Word of God. That's true. And think of this. The Word of God is the will of God revealed. Mm -hmm. The Word of God is the will of God revealed. Amen. So if you've got a Word, you've got God's will. That's
1: right. Praise God. As my father was saying, the more of the Word you have, the less likely you are to be defeated. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 16, that one who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly, or one translation, in the congregation of the dead. So literally, and we see this in the body of Christ, there are people who are saved, but having the same results in their life as an unbeliever because of their lack of knowledge of the word. It's the truth that sets you free. The Bible says in the book of John chapter eight, The verse 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So as the writer of Proverbs said, when you wander from the way of understanding, you'll rest in the congregation of the dead, meaning you can be a follower of God and not have understanding of the truth and still have results of a dead person in your life. And that's the problem. Many people are running into their spirit is on their way to heaven, but their body still looks like that of an unbeliever their mind still looks like that of an unbeliever. But I've always asked the question, why why would you have a redeemer if you're not gonna take advantage of the redemption? If I have a savior, my spirit shouldn't look like those who don't have a savior. If I've got a healer, my body shouldn't look like those who don't have a healer. If I have one who brings peace, my mind shouldn't look like those who don't have a comforter. Uh, If I have a provider, my finances shouldn't look like those who don't have a provider. Your redemption brings you manifestation, and the only way you can take hold of it is by revelation knowledge of God's word. That's why Paul said, and we quoted it the other day, Paul said it in uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, teaching the Ephesian elders. He said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. So the word of God literally is your inheritance to be taken by faith.
0: Praise God. Randy Coggins is on Good the to see second. You, man. That means there must have been a first. Mm-hmm. How come you don't go by Randy Coggins Jr.?
1: Because the second means that they don't have the same uh, middle name. Uh-huh. I believe is what that is. All righty. Well, or there was someone in between them in the first.
0: I, I'm sure it's one. It's one of those two reasons. I see. Karen Neary's back on. We talked with sister Karen about finances the other day and start where you're at. And I'm and glad she did to, by the way, I'm glad to see her back on again. Now let's talk uh, just a moment, son, about <clears throat> what the lack of the word produces. I have five things, five things that I have always noticed over the years. Number one, Since the Bible says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Word agree or work together, where there is a lack of the Word, whether it's in your life or the church you go to, the ministry that you are a part of, when there's a lack of the Word and the Spirit and the Word agree, that lack produces a deficit in your life, in that church, in the people around you. In other words, you're falling far below the privileges that the Word of God produces. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. When there is a lack of the Word, this is my first point, you far, uh, you fall far below the privileges that are <clears throat> included in the Word of God. Now, years ago, when I was in Bible college, we had a class on... Uh, uh, gospel music. It was on uh, uh, music. Uh, yeah, and it was also, they would tell you the stories behind the songs. And mm-hmm. one day, uh, our teacher was teaching us about the story of the the song It Is Well. When peace like a river, you know the song, mm-hmm. attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll. Mm -hmm. And I used to love that. My mama would play it on piano or her accordion. And so I grew up with that song. But the gentleman that wrote the song went through a hardship. And his wife and children, they drowned in a... uh, uh, a ship that sank he's over here in the United States working in the gold fields in California. And so he, he's got no one. So his dear old dad, his mom's past, he writes his dad, I'm going to bring you to America. So he buys a passage for his father to come to America and the boat leaves Liverpool, England, and it's on its way here. Well, The captain said to the steward, where is this particular gentleman? Because they hadn't seen him in the first few days of the voyage. He said, "Uh, you know, I want to meet him. He's to eat with me. So the steward goes and knocks on the door, and the old man answers the door. And he said, the captain wants to know why you've not been at the meals, why you haven't been out. And the old man said, I don't have money to eat at the meals. And so I brought some crackers and some, uh, actually it was peanut butter spread. So I've just been taking my meals in my, my room, eating these things I brought. The steward says, did you know that you have a first class ticket? The old man said, no, what does that mean? It means that all your meals are already paid for. It also means you have a seat at the captain's table and you can eat the finest of foods on this voyage that are prepared for the captain. It's included Mm -hmm. in your ticket. When you don't know the word of God, ladies and gentlemen, when you don't know what's yours, you're living, again, far below your privilege. Of, as a child of God, there's a lot of thing in, in the word that are already yours. But this first area, the lack of the word, if you don't know it, then the devil can take advantage of you and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I wonder how many Christians are sick that wouldn't have to be sick if they understood Jesus is a healer. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many Christians are living in poverty and lack that would not have to if they understood what the word said about giving and receiving right. and sowing <clears throat> and reaping. Well, Brother Jerry Franks is on. Brother Jerry, I want you to know something, buddy. You are blessed. And every one of you that are watching, you're blessed because the word says so. But the word also shows you how to appropriate or receive the blessing. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to know it belongs to you. It's another thing to know how to get it. And so this first area is so very, very important for you right now. And that is, if there is a lack of the word, and since the Bible says the spirit and the word, they agree or they work together. Then if you don't have that word in any particular area of life that you need it. Mm-hmm. then there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to work with. And so we are watching. Like, as I said a moment ago, everybody's concerned about the corona, uh, yeah, coronavirus uh, and what's going to happen. Well, we feel bad for people that have passed from it. But in our country, nine to ten people that have died compared to the last administration, 13,000 people died of the swine flu. And in that flu season, and we're coming pr- pretty much to the end of the flu season, it's insignificant. Why is there so much attention to it? Well, number one, fear. And if you don't know the word, fear will overcome you. So what does the Fed- Federal Reserve do in our country? It cuts the rates, which slows down the economy. But also remember, when people don't have the incentive to save, they spend the money out and it causes inflation. So in some ways, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is contrived, in some ways, it's an attack on the economy, which one of our uh, candidates right now is running on the strength of the economy, strong as it's been in over 50 years. And that's just like the devil. Whatever God has blessed you with, whatever God has given to you, Again, the devil's going to try and come and steal it, take it away from you. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus, who is the incarnate word, he is the living word. He said, I am come that you might have life Amen. and that you might have it more abundantly. Now listen, this is very, very important to you right now. Anywhere in your life that you lack the word, is the area that the spirit cannot work for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people would just feel like God's just going to come in and knock you upside your head and do what he wants to do in your life. No, God doesn't operate that way. He operates according to his word. And I started this segment by saying the word of God is the will of God revealed. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. The word of God is the will of God revealed. Pop that in the comments section, everybody that's watching. Yeah, that'd be great. The word
1: of God is the will of God revealed. And so we need more of the word. That's it. In Hebrews chapter one, that's the basis for what my father's saying right there. Christ is, according to John chapter one, Christ is the word. But listen to verse three of... um, of Hebrews chapter one. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed his message. Who? God. Which, uh, or excuse me, I'm in Titus. I need to get to Hebrews. I was going to say, to, say yeah, that's this is Titus. That.
0: <laughs> Unless we spell Hebrews differently today. This is what it says. Uh,
1: verse three of Hebrews chapter one. Listen to this. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So you can see he is the exact nature of God's will revealed in human flesh. The Word is God. But it's, the Word is not just God, the Word is the revelation of his personality, character, and will. At work on the earth.
0: And also, read Teddy from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. This is a foundational scripture I use when I explain this, but listen to this, folks. Starting verse 1.
1: In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with
0: God and the Word was God. The Word was with God, which Mm -hmm. means that the atmosphere around the throne of God was the establishment of everything God has ever spoken. Mm-hmm. The word was with God and the word what? Was God. Was mm-hmm. God. So when we're talking about the word of God, we're talking about God himself that's it. expressing himself, his radiant glory. Yes, I like that billionaire. Yep. And that, that's what I wanted you to get in your heart. That, mm-hmm. that word of God, it is God. It is God. It is his will revealed. The word of God is the will of God revealed. That's right. And the thing that I, I,
1: I say to people, I don't know if Some people kind of raise their eyebrows when I say it, but think about it: the Word of God, the written Word of God, is just as much God as the individual seated on the throne. You have to you have to remember this: the written Word of God. Because, and here's why: if you've never heard this, Paul told Timothy that the Word of God, or when he he talks about all Scripture, is inspired. That's the word the King James uses: all Scripture is inspired. The word's not inspired. The word is actually God-breathed. It came out of God's mouth. That's why we, we can have scriptures like Isaiah 55, 11, where God said, when I send my word forth, it always accomplishes what I send it to do, never returns to me empty or void, and prospers in the thing more I've sent it. The reason nothing can deny his word is because he is his word. And so when his word shows up, he shows up. Nothing can uh, uh, reject or uh, be an obstacle to his word because he is his word. And this Bible that we have is, it's a guy wrote to me on my YouTube today. He said, you you people don't even understand what you're talking about because God, the Bible's not even infallible. Well, he he, ha- he has one of the lowest views of scripture that you could possibly have and still call yourself a Christian. He doesn't believe it's inspired. No, and it is the inspired. They've tried to prove for centuries that the word of God is false and have never been able to do it. Pat Blay from Ohio. This is the inspired word of God. And think about it because it is, because this came out of God's mouth and the, the, what the writers wrote was inspired by the Holy spirit. This word is alive. It's not dead. It's alive. That's why you can quote the word and the word works. That's why you can speak the word and it will manifest power here on the earth. No other word can do that except God's word.
0: The first introduction to the word for most people is the man or woman of God that is teaching and preaching them. And so if the minister is not given to the study of the word, what was the two things the apostles determined in the book of Acts? Do you remember?
1: About not wanting to wait tables and serve the people? They right. Need the we need God to be prayer. given...
0: To the study of the word. And prayer. And prayer. So to every dear minister, we need to understand that the lack of the word is opening the door for unbelief Mm -hmm. in the people we minister to. Absolutely. So this second area, very, very important. The lack of the word produces or allows unbelief to operate. Mm -hmm. And unbelief, Spurgeon said, is the mother of sin. Hmm. The mother of sin is unbelief. Mm -hmm. How do we know that? Satan in the garden comes to Eve. Yea, hath God said, question mark. That's right. Unbelief, see. What What are you talking about Eve must have said? He told Adam and I very plainly that we were not to partake of these two different trees. Yea, hath God said. Right. So how does the devil attack the word of God? The very first story, Adam and Eve. He attacked it with doubt and was trying to get Eve to not believe the word of God that he plainly had given Adam and Eve. You're not to partake of this tree, the knowledge of tree of knowledge of good and of evil, and the other tree, that if they ate of that, they'd still be alive. Yep. Tree of eternal life. Well, the Bible says that Eve succumbed to that temptation when she did not believe the word of God. Now, Adam, the Bible says he knew it, but Adam purposefully rejected it. Mm-hmm. So you have two groups of people. You have God giving his word. You have some that through doubt and unbelief, they don't stick to the word that they have. They're overcome by the devil. And the Bible says through one man's sin, through one man's disobedience, sin and death came into the world. Mm -hmm. And so the lack of the word produces unbelief and it opens the door for sin and death and every destructive power mm-hmm. for the devil to work. One of the reasons why I used to love to hear Brother Shambach preach, he was a faith preacher. Yeah. But not only that, he preached by the gift of faith, one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. When I traveled with him, if he walked into a room, you could feel faith instantly when you saw him. It was on him, it mm-hmm. was in him. I loved it. Yeah. And <clears throat> I remember one time we were in Dallas, Texas, And Brother Schambach had been told he was going to die within 90 days. His blood flow was low. And I look, and one day, here he comes. Teddy and I are in the parking lot of the motel throwing the baseball. I brought my glove. He brought his glove. It was a black Rawlings glove. Mm, I remember it. And Brother Schambach stands there. I said, what are you doing here? He said, getting healed. In other words, he was not going to stay home. The big tent was up. 17-day tent crusade. I had to preach at least once every day because he couldn't make it. He invited his friends to help him. And one of his friends that came to help him in that meeting, there were so many, but T.L. Osborne. So one night I'm sitting on the platform, Walt Mills, who just passed away uh, a couple days ago, dear Walt, T.L. Osborne, myself, we're sitting there and Brother Schambach's got the mic. And Walt Mills leans over to me and he said, I thought he was dying. And Osborne, Brother Osborne heard it and he leaned over and said, he's doing what he has to do to stay alive and to be healed. And what Brother Shambach was doing, he was exhorting the crowd in the tent, a couple, 3,000 people there. And he was taking testimonies for radio and TV. Mm -hmm. And I can still see him with his hand on his hip, holding that mic. So you're telling me that you, and whatever the disease was, and Jesus healed you. Put the mic under to let him talk. Then he'd pull it back. I want every one of you under the tent to know that Jesus is a healing Jesus. See, he's speaking the word, speaking the word. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then he put it back. And Brother Osborne leaned over to me again, (laughs) and he said, He's getting healed right now while he's talking. <laughs> while he's talking. Wow. See, so the word in your heart and coming out of your mouth destroys the attack of the devil. What if Eve had said, You lion serpent? Of course, God said it. Then sin and death may not have entered into the world. But the, the the frailty of humanity is this, uh, Robbie. And that's a good question. Why do some people move in miracles early on in their ministry and then it seems like it stops? Anybody I know that operates that way operated till they died. So I would say, Robbie, you probably had a poor example you were following, because anybody that I knew that operated, they did it till the day they went to heaven. So I really can't relate to that, but it's a good thought. Maybe they fell into sin. Maybe they started living in sin in their life. Yeah, see, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe they came into bad doctrine. And please don't give us uh, any names, Brother Robbie, but I can't relate to that because everybody that I ever uh, followed, back on. It looks like people are getting kicked off. Bandwidth all right? (laughs) Yeah, everything's fine. So get back to this point. Eve could have said... You're a lying devil, you serpent. I'm not gonna believe that. But the lack of the word, and when you don't um when you don't obey the word that you have, then it opens the door for unbelief to come in, and unbelief is the mother of sin. Mm-hmm. And it can take you into a place that you don't want to go. Right. And so this second point, very, very important, we need to be filled up with the word in our uh in our spirit. Now what does the Bible say in Romans 10, uh, verse eight? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, Mm -hmm. in thy mouth, Mm -hmm. that is the word of faith which Which we we preach. preach. Mm -hmm. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So another thing that we need to understand in this area is, That if we fill up with the word, fill our spirit up with the word of God, then my friends, you're going to begin to speak an overcoming word Mm -hmm. that again, as I said in the first point, the spirit and the word agree the, the spirit can work with it. And so if you don't do that, the lack of the word is what we're dealing with. It's a pitfall. It can mess you up. Then you can't handle unbelief, unbelief right. overcomes you. You can't handle doubt, doubt fills your heart. Mm-hmm. We need the word of God, This second point, very, very important. Yeah, We need the word of God to shut the door on the devil's devices. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul said to Timothy, we're not to be ignorant concerning the devil's devices. What are his devices? Starting with the story of Eve in the book of Genesis, and right on through the scripture, one of his devices is to get you to not believe the word of God. That's right. To doubt God's word. It's what he's always done. Did
1: God really say? People are still trying to do that today. Well, does the Bible really say? People people are still using that argument. Uh, it's being used right now for those that would love to um, to promote an agenda that is anti-Christ. Right. There's, there's churches and denominations now. That are trying to redefine what the Bible says about marriage, about uh, I mean, all kinds of things. Sexual sin. There's church and denominations that are ordaining homosexuals, and you know what their argument is? Well, does the Bible really say? What does it really mean in the Greek and Hebrew when it says that in Romans chapter one? I mean, and they're and I'm doing the same thing that the uh, the devil did all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Well, does the Bible really say that? Does it really mean that? That's the most demonic thing that you could ever do is try to change the words of God. And that's, that's what like. Austin yeah.
0: Lingerfield is saying. It's the hermeneutic of Satan. <laughs> Hermeneutics exactly right. is the study of the word. But in this case, it's Satan trying to rewrite right. the word of God. In other words, revisionism. That's right. Love With, you, Austin. It's exactly true. He's and it's in where Texas is? Yeah,
1: yeah, Arlington, Texas. It's, it's happening all through our generation. It, it's the Antichrist agenda. Of trying to redefine what the Bible says, what it means, and you can't put words in God's mouth. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And it's just it's sad because really it's a it's a carnal demonic system because people don't want to adhere to the Word of God, so they try to make it say whatever they want it to say. You can't make God's Word say what you want it to say. It's like I, I've heard people. You know, one of the things now this this is being said by people. Well, I like what Jesus had to say, but I don't like Paul. Yeah, so I know. I'm I'm gonna actually just you adhere know who to the gospel. people are, don't you? Yeah, sinners, idiots. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to adhere to what the gospels say, but I'm not. I don't want to hear what the what the epistles have to say. I'm not dealing by that. <laughs> it's all inspired by God. It's all God's word. I even believe the cover where it says Holy Bible. Yeah, I that's heard, inspired. I heard a preacher say, "I believe the Bible from Genesis to maps." <laughs> 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 I even believe the maps are true. <laughs> but, but it's 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 true the word of God is preeminent I mean you can't let me let me give you a, a scripture to uh to back up what, what we're talking about. the Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 2 that God has magnified his word above his name he's magnified his word or one of the translations renders it this way he has backed up his word with the power of his name. That speaks of God's own integrity as his identity. His word is backed by his identity. And so there's no higher, there's no higher power in the universe than the word of God. None. And so that's, the you know, the sad thing is that as we live in a generation where, it's funny because in a generation where everybody wants to uh, have, Defined truth. You know, millennials are, uh, they want people to tell them why, why, why. But then when you tell them why, they want to question the standard that you're actually telling them from, which is why we have people that are now what they're calling postmodernist people that, well, there is no absolute truth. Truth for you is not the same as truth for me. It's all relative. And that's not the word, the word sets the standard. It's like a guy got on the broadcast the other day. He said, you guys are, this This stuff can't be right. There's no way, uh, he said, you don't need Jesus. He said, I think all you need to have is a good heart. Here's the question when you say something like that. If you don't have an actual standard that's beyond humanity, who determines what is good? You? So all you need to have is a good heart. Well, who says what a good heart is? That's relative unless you have a standard that's beyond humanity. That's why it's important. You know, people, I, I listened to somebody the other day, they said, well, I don't believe that you have to have somebody tell you what, what a moral a moral standard is. I believe everybody's just inherently good. You know, the guy asked him, he said, oh, really, you believe humanity at large is, is inherently good? Yes. He said, do you
0: lock your doors at night? <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 well, then you don't believe humanity's inherently good. Well, in
0: philosophy... The uh, determination of the area as Pilate uh, declared what is truth, so forth. Um, There's primary, secondary, and tertiary. Three ways we receive our information according to the philosophers. Well, primary means you experienced it for yourself. Secondary would be Someone told you about what they experienced. And tertiary can be even one more removed. You may not know the person. So secondary, let's say he's secondary. And he knows I said this or I did this. Then he says, you know, this is what dad did. But in his telling of what I did, someone may hear it that doesn't know me. And so in philosophy, that's called the tertiary experience. It's removed even from the primary by at least one. Every time you move away from God's word, it lessens the effect of God's word so that you get people saying what they say because they don't have a primary experience with God for themselves. So this area we're talking about, very, very important. You need to study the Word of God for yourself. Not what I say, not what my son is saying. You need to open that book and you need to pour over it. By that I mean study it. Study to show yourself approved. Read the Word of God. Fill up with the Word of God. And this area of shutting the door to unbelief, I believe that the apostles, when they said, we, we need to be given, we need to be given to the study of the word and prayer, they were dealing with an unbelieving culture that was around them. And they knew they had to be immersed in prayer and the word. Yeah, absolutely true. Do you believe that part of the punishment of those that go to hell, they will keep experiencing the very thing?
1: They came against God with, for instance, abortion. Yeah, yeah. I are... don't know of any scriptures. That, yeah, there's the no scripture that about that. Um you know, you think you think about it.
0: From Italy. Alessia Broglia, Murray Shanu on the Ojibwe. You were talking about him earlier. He was talking about you, Murray, about how you're gonna come and bring a busload of people over to Michigan. <laughs> and bring so many wonderful people with you. Love you, brother Murray. Sheila, what do you say to people who argue the Bible is man made? You know, I that's, find that this is one of the arguments that unbelievers of my generation always say. They've said it in every generation. But you know what, Sheila?
1: It, it just shows their own ignorance. There's no possible way right. that the Bible could be man-made, specifically because of the prophecies that are in the Bible. At the time of its writing, and the Bible was one-third prophecy. One-third of the Bible was prophecy. Right. Eighty Over 80% of those prophecies... Have already been literally fulfilled, and there was a so the guy that so, did, he did but, the odds but, on that. But listen, so much so that people later that studied this, they actually thought the books of the Bible had to have been written after those events took place, right. and they thought they were written as history, but they're not. They were written as prophecy. And when when they found when the books were actually written, it blew the minds of even researchers to find out these things were literally prophesied. You go back and look at the wording of the Old Testament. God doesn't give uh, uh, vague prophecies. He doesn't say, well, you know, there'll be some nations that'll rise up against Israel. He names them by name. Do you realize, I I would actually, um, I would recommend to you grab a book called 101 Answers to the Most Frequently Asked Questions about Bible Prophecy uh, by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. There are some prophecies, in the Bible that are so insanely accurate, uh, as far as, I'm talking about down to the day, uh, prophesied thousands of years before and fulfilled down to the exact day that they were prophesied, that it blows people's minds. There's no way that the Bible could be man-made to find all of these different authors over all of these centuries from around different parts of the world who all wrote with different styles in different cultures, and all of them weave together with no contradiction. It, the study of bibliology is in, its insane. There's no possible way that the Bible could be man-made. People like the guy that I was dealing with earlier, the guy that said, you know, the Bible's not inspired, and you know, the, that people, revisionists, have changed the Bible through the ages. That's been scientifically proven to be false. You, you can't you could not have changed the bible through the ages. I mean, think about it. I'll give you one quick example before we move on. Think about this. It would mean if somebody was going to change the bible to to remove doctrines or add doctrines. Think about this. Just with the New Testament. They would have had to dig up every manuscript around the world that was buried. Some were under armed guard at the time. They would have to take all of those manuscripts Rewrite what was actually taught about the deity of Christ or any of those things, and then put them back where they found them, and then once they were refound by people who who were discovering the Bible, they'd have to have their penmanship not detected in any of those manuscripts. It's it's literally impossible. There's no way to do it, and everything that we found. Yana Paul's great evangelist. Love you. Uh, the book is called 101 Answers to the Most Frequently Asked Questions about Bible prophecy. The author is Dr. Mark Hitchcock. If you want an even more in depth book that he wrote about Bible prophecy, get The End. The book is just called The End. He was an understudy of J. Dwight Pentecost, who was a professor emeritus at Dallas Theological Seminary, and who wrote the book Things to Come, which was the standard book for eschatology in Bible colleges for many years. And uh, Dr. Hitchcock studied directly under him and wrote this book more for, uh, you had that book in Bible school, Things
0: to Come. No. No, you didn't have uh, it? Your mom bought it for me for my 21st birthday, and I kept it all these years. Still have it. Zion so, later used it for their students, yeah. and it's, They were using Walvard when I was in school. I see. Book of Revelation and the yeah, Book of Daniel. I have
1: those as well. Mm-hmm. John Walvard. But the... Um, the interesting thing, that was written as a textbook more for people that were studying for ministry, whereas Dr. Hitchcock writes for the layperson, so it's even uh, more readable if you understand what I'm saying by that. It's not, it's not laid out like a textbook. But there's no possible way that anybody with a mind of any kind studying the antiquity of scripture could believe that it was man-made or that it was somehow revised through the ages. This is a miracle that you hold in your hand. It's a miracle There's no possible way it could be from men. There's no way that it could be preserved the way that it was other than through God's protective hand. He promised to preserve his word and he's done it. And we have it today. Do you know when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls? They were so blown away because they found now manuscripts that were much older than what they'd had. A full copy of the uh, book of Isaiah. And when compared to what we had currently at the time of the discovery of the dead sea scrolls they found uh they found that it was 99 plus percent match and the only differences were in punctuation and some spelling i mean that's insane not 66000 nick 6000 ancient manuscripts of the new testament six it's now it's a little bit over 6000 uh, but that's that's not full copies of the New Testament. That's, that's manuscripts, parchments. It's uh, pieces of manuscripts. But if you add them all up, 6,000 plus. And so, uh,
0: yeah. You know where most of them are kept? They're kept all over the place, but. All of the uh, writing of the Essenes, the Dead Sea Scrolls, representing over 6,000 are kept in a museum in Jerusalem. And I've been there and I've looked at them they're behind glass encased. Now, if you're talking about uh, the Catholic Bible, the Vulgate, uh, the Sinai. No, we're talking about
1: actual. Yeah, I'm talking about what
0: was found. Yeah, actual Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Just what they have in Israel is over 6,000 different parchments and some are scraps. I saw one, it was all torn. Yep. but uh, that's where my brother Tiff was talking about I'm sure now ancient manuscripts That's
1: an overestimation of Iliad Yeah but six, yeah. it's not it's not that many No it isn't It's 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 maybe close to 3000 now but it's not 5500
0: Right Uh but Tiff and I talked about this one time that there is such a volume of proof that you'd have to be something wrong with your mind not not to understand that but think of it this way too, Teddy. This generation is not as learned as the last generation. They don't even teach uh, handwriting in school anymore. I mean, there's a book called The Dumbing Down of America, which I've seen it uh, because I'm 65, but more and more, these questions that are coming out of our culture is due to a lack of education. Now our thought is the lack of the word. So there's no excuse for why a preacher of the gospel cannot be training his or her people to receive the word of God. Not to mention, all information
1: is now available to you. Pretty much so. There is no information that's not available to you. You don't even have to expl- you don't even have to attend a-, a university anymore. You can watch their lectures online. You don't even have to go to a classroom. You don't even have to join them.
0: You can actually watch the lectures online. But the thing is, what if they don't know where to go and what to look for? It's their own fault. Well, I'm just saying, what if I'm brand new? I just got saved. I don't know all the things you're saying. Right. Where would I go? So unless you're really good at uh, you know, researching on, Google. on the web okay. yeah, or Googling, <laughs> it... they're not going to know. This is why I say the lack of the word is the thing that ministers, have got to overcome, we've got to train every generation, every one in this culture with the word of God. Absolutely. Now, Karen's talking about Pentecostal and dispensationalism. We're not going to get into that because the uh, church being spiritual Israel is... Not necessarily false. I believe no, it's we are spiritualism. We are. Paul said that there's Hebrews. a
1: spirit. This we've been we've been brought into the family of God by the Spirit of adoption. Romans. grafted into right. the vine. So we are viewed as spiritual. What did Paul say? Who is a Jew? One who was one naturally, or one was mm-hmm. one spiritually by mm-hmm. the heart. And uh, and but so
0: I know what she's talking about. Yeah, because I just saw an article. But <clears throat> let me just say this: You and I are talking about modalism. Uh, Was that yesterday we talked about it? And it's a doctrinal uh, thing, and there are very well-known people that are called uh, uh, exponents of that. It has to do with basically the nature, the similitude of God. Uh, Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God, God is one God. So uh, polytheism, monotheism, in theology, it was something that Abraham who was raised with many gods. Terah, his father, allowed many gods. So for Abraham to become the father of faith, he had to change his belief to what God was, who he was, what he would do. And so it was Abram that had the understanding and shifted from poly, many, to mono, one. And so we're seeing things go in cycles, Ted. Things go in cycles. If you don't know what my dad's
1: referring to, modalism is the belief that there are not three distinct persons of the Trinity, that there's one God who manifested himself in three different ways at three different times. Old Testament, as God, Jehovah, God the Father. In the New Testament, as Christ, the Word made flesh, and after his ascension, as the Holy Spirit, right. and that now he manifests himself in the mode of the Holy Spirit, modalism. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really, it's it's a heretical belief that denies... The, the belief of Trinitarians that God is one God in three distinct persons, which he is. One God in three distinct persons. Remember, God is not a name. God is a station. His name is not God. His name is Jehovah. Jesus' name is Jesus, the Christ. Christ is not his last name, by the way, if you're singing in mail. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit of God is the third person, of the Trinity. Just look at one verse. How could you even explain this verse? Acts 10, 38, my dad's theme for many of his miracle meetings. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. All three mentioned in one verse of scripture. God anointed
0: Jesus with the Holy Ghost. Three are mentioned in one verse. And the people that teach modalism, I've watched them over the years. They never have miracles or signs and wonders in the ministry. Why is that? Because what we started this, the spirit can only confirm God's word. Correct. So actually, if you think about it, modalism, or as Teddy explained it in depth, is a man-made doctrine and not a Bible doctrine.
1: Yeah, it, it basically deviates from orthodoxy.
0: Karen, I answered
1: these questions for you privately. Yes, the promises to Israel... because people argue, well, things you see in the Old Testament, that's not for believers, that's just for the nation of Israel. But although there were some promises that were specifically for the nation of Israel to be revealed to them, if it was a promise of God's goodness, like for example, Deuteronomy 28, the blessings for obedience, Mm. those carry over into the New Testament because we have a better covenant established upon better promises, Hebrews 8, 6. So you can't tell me God would do something better For his old covenant children that That he he would would do under Christ for his New Testament children. So because we've been grafted into the family, a great scripture for you to read is Galatians 3.29, where the Bible says that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. So understand that if you belong to Christ, you've been grafted into the family of God and you have better promises available to you today than they even did in the Old Testament. So yes, we can claim those same things in New Testament covenant uh, that they had as blessings for obedience in the Old Testament covenant.
0: We, We have a better covenant. Right. Now, Karen, begin to say this over yourself. Don't confess you're confused. God's not the author of confusion. Confess this over your life, little sister. Begin to say this. I have the mind of Christ. I am being led by the spirit. And so all education is a process, a step-by-step walk. And that's where you're at every day. God's given you more information from his word, more things to help you. Now, the third area that I think we need to address before we run out of
1: time. That's, That's a great way to put it in one scripture verse, Austin. All of God's promises are
0: yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That's right. Austin had a great dad. <laughs> now, it has a great dad. Sorry. Yes. Uh, let me just say this uh, to you that are watching. The third reason why the lack of the word is detrimental. I was reading this last night with my son. We spent a couple hours going over scriptures. I'm working to finish my book on the gifts of the spirit. But one of the things that the lack of the word produces, now think of this, Mark 16 And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. That's it. The divine credentials for every minister, man or woman, every believer, are the signs that follow them. But if there is no word, there can be no confirmation of signs. God only confirms his confirms his word. The lack of the anointing for miracles and healing, and signs, and wonders. In my opinion, the fault lies in the pulpits of the American churches. I agree, yep. The fault, you don't have to go blame the world. A lot of you talked about my culture, my generation. That's not the problem. The fault is in our church pulpits where the word of God is not being disseminated or taught or preached. And so the lack of the word, the third area, is it keeps God's divine confirmation, signs and wonders, miracles, from operating. That's it. Do you think God sits in heaven and is happy about this trivial breakfast cereal Sugar coated preaching that is filling our nation and we affect the nations of the world through media? Uh, I don't think so. No. I think God, to use his words, is ticked off. <laughs> I think the Bible says God is angry every day with who? The sinner. The sinner. Why is that? Well, why? He has no basis to be angry unless he gave the sinner a means to be converted,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they weren't. It's like saying, <clears throat> Hebrews eleven six. 6, my life's verse, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If God says he's not pleased unless you use faith, he has to give you the means whereby to have that faith. Right. If God is angry at the sinner, then he has to have the basis for that uh, in uh, his very manifestation, which is he's given the sinner a way to not be a sinner. I had a preacher friend that worked in the farmer's market. My dad used to pastor in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, First Assembly of God. And he was coming home from the farmer's market there, uh, down going back towards Riley Street, if you're familiar with Harrisburg. When Brother Demiania, an Italian brother, was preaching with a megaphone, a a bullhorn, and as he was running, he was preaching. uh, Brother Elias was preaching, and he yelled on the phone, Hey, sinner! And my buddy said he stopped. He said, How does he know who I am? But there were hundreds of other people filling the streets. He said, Hey, sinner! You don't have to sin anymore. And then, on the street, that's why I like street preaching. My father was a street preacher, my mother. I have pictures of him in Norfolk outside the naval base. Mom playing the accordion, dad with a little speaker system preaching the gospel to the sailors that came from all over the nation. Well, my friend knelt down there on the sidewalk. He made a pulpit out of that curb, or excuse me, an altar out of that curb. And he asked God to forgive him of his sins. And he said, that day I was born again. But what if that little Italian preacher had not had the courage, the faith to take the gospel to where the people were? When you're talking about a preacher in a pulpit, you're in the four walls of a church and they still don't have the courage or the faith to preach the word. Many times, and I think it's sad, many times they're nothing more than professional ministers but they're not men or women of God. This third area, how can you be in ministry and not be content? Or should I say be stirred up? How can you be in ministry and not be stirred up that I need God's divine approval on my life? And what's happened is, even in Pentecostal circles, full gospel circles, many ministers, they downplay the operation of the supernatural because of their lack of understanding. If you don't have it, you don't have divine credentials. Mm -hmm. You don't have divine approval. Someone said to me, Brother Ted, even in Bible school, you're always praying for everybody to be healed and be helped. Yeah, you know why? Because it was in me from the word I received as a child. This third area, very important, the lack of the word keeps God's divine credentials from being manifested to our world. Yep. You, a man with an experience mm-hmm. is never at the mercy with a man with an argument. Yep. And what we've developed, especially in full gospel circles, we've developed the argument, but we're not producing the experience for the people that follow. Right. The lack of the word hinders the supernatural i believe let me say it this way i believe there are caskets that are coming down our church aisles of people that died that didn't have to die at that time because the pulpits are powerless mm-hmm. the preachers are filled with unbelief because if you believed it you'd go out and pray for the people right you'd be believing god someone said well what if you pray for someone and they die you know what i'd say next someone's personal experience does not Validate the word of God, nor take away from the word of God. Right. The word of God is true in and of itself, as my son exhorted in the last segment, and so we believe the word. Yep. I f- I'm challenging somebody. It's a young preacher. I know it. In my spirit. You're watching this, and you're torn in between. I don't know a father figure. It could be your pastor. It could be your father. I don't know, but you're being torn between knowledge in you by the spirit. I need to be believing for the miraculous, but some form of mentorship or leadership has downplayed it because they themselves are not operating in it. And you need to come all out for Jesus Christ. Don't spend your whole life on the earth trying to be a man pleaser. Hebrews 11:6, six, my life's verse. I am going to please God. When I started, whoever I'm speaking to and you that are listening, enjoy it. (laughs) When I started, I was told if you don't join a particular denomination, you'll never be successful. But I had prayed and the Lord said to me, I want you to be like Smith Wigglesworth. I don't want you to belong to any one group. I read this in Wigglesworth's commentary, but I want you to bless all peoples. I was 18 when I read that. I was in the prayer room in Zion Bible Institute when I was a young man. And I said, Lord, I don't understand it, but I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And I didn't understand it. But the older I got, the more I saw some of my friends, when they joined particular groups, they were censored. The brakes were put on them. Yep. I'll never forget, Brother Summerall told us this. He pastored Assembly God Church up in uh, Indiana. And the Lord told him to go to the Philippines as a missionary. So he turned the church over to a particular minister. And he went to the Philippines, and of course, the great revival in Manila took place because Brother Sumral obeyed God. It started with a prostitute that was demon possessed, yep. throwing huge guards in the prison, Bilibid prison, throwing them. They couldn't hold her. She was so demonically energized. And they put it on radio. Brother Sumral was in his. Office and he heard coming on the national radio station in the Philippines these demonic screams and words and cursing, and it so scared the nation of the Philippines they were all glued to the radio every day. Mm -hmm. Well, Brother Summerall knew the jailer and he said, Give me three days to pray and to fast, and I'm going to come. And set that girl free. Clarita Villanueva was her name. Brother Summerall began to fast and pray. God, I'm your servant. I left my church in Indiana to come here, and things have been tough. He had an old Quonson hut that he bought for the auditorium and was fixing it up, but no people. Right next to his church was a sewage drain. Smelled Frank, his son's still alive. Frank'll tell you this. Hello, Charles. Well, here's the thing. You, you know the story. He yeah. he goes to the prison, Bilibid prison, <clears throat> and he casts the devils out of Clarita on the national radio broadcasting network of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. The whole island hears Brother Sumrall say. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you demons to come out of the woman. And the devils obey the word of God that Brother Sumrall stood for, believed in, and practiced. This third area, very, very important because this is how you change a nation. You change a nation with a supernatural manifestation of the spirit of God. And some of you are not old enough to know the story that I'm telling you. Or Tommy Hicks that went to Argentina and the president of the country was saved and delivered and the nation fell into revival. So many stories. But see, this generation, we're in need of another national revival in the nations of the world. We need that right now. We need it in America. We need it in Canada. I like what Sister Davy wrote today. She's praying for Justin Trudeau. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not speaking against and being involved in politics, but praying for those that have rule over us. That's mm-hmm. scripture. Well, he brought Clifton Erickson over and they rented the sunken gardens there in Manila. And within a week, 50,000 Filipinos gave their hearts to Christ in one week. And it kept spreading and spreading. A great national Revival to the extent that to this day the Catholic Church, which used to be the largest church in the Philippines, is now second. The number one church in the Philippines are the Pentecostals.
1: And that large church is still there. Pastor David Sumrall pastors it.
0: He came out of that. That's correct. Running, that's his what, nephew? What? Uh, yeah, David is his nephew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the point I'm making to you. And I'm talking to a young preacher. I know that I am. I feel it in my spirit. Brother Sumrall comes back and his denomination takes the church from him even though they're only supposed to hold it for a year. They didn't give it back to Brother Sumrall. Then the district superintendent of that district calls for Brother Sumrall. Bring your books down here to Indianapolis. We're going to go through them. See if you've been taking the money and so forth. Brother Summerall couldn't believe it. They stole his church. They want to look at his books. So Brother Summerall said, that was when I knew like Wigglesworth that had imparted to him, mm-hmm. I needed to set myself free from the sin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the sin of denominationalism. Wow. Because if your denomination is not earnestly contending for the faith. Mm -hmm. If your church, if who you're following is downplaying the supernatural, downplaying, so well, that's not the biggest thing. That man, that woman is deceived Mm -hmm. and the lack of the word is hindering, let's make it personal, our nation,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the United States of America, we need a national revival, but you mark my words and remember this, It will come when a man or men or women Mm -hmm. begin to heal the sick, cast out devils, and demonstrate these signs and wonders. And the devil knows it. And so the lack of the word, this third area, very, very critical. The Bible says, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word, confirming the word. But if you have no word, there's nothing for God to confirm. That's right. Some of the largest churches in America, dare I say it, are being pastured by men that are filled with unclean spirits. Someone said, how is that possible? One time a preacher friend of mine was jogging, he sprained his ankle and it swole up. And he said, oh God, I need you to heal me. I'm too far from the car. The Lord said to him, Bert, look at your foot. He looked, he said, remember, Just because something's big doesn't mean it's good. Your ankle's swollen, it's big, but it's because of something wrong. And then all of a sudden, supernaturally, Bert's ankle got healed. He preached that until he died. I was in a meeting in Dallas where I heard him tell that story. Just because something's big does not mean it's good. Just because something's big does not mean it is good. As my son said a moment ago, what is... What is the thing that we're looking for? The factual, evidential proof of the word of God, according to the Bible, is these signs shall follow them that believe. Mm -hmm. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. Mm -hmm. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall, shall recover. And if they eat or drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. The power of having the word is the fulfillment of these four signs in your life and in the lives of our churches and yep. neighborhoods and family and friend, America needs, and I, I say it this way all the time, America needs a Holy Ghost miracle revival. Mm-hmm. After World War II, the largest crowds that came to hear the gospel were under big tents, Oral Roberts, Jack Co., A.A. Allen. They used to call it the voice of healing, but Oral was not in that. But what it was, was a move of God tell the nation. The word of God is true and God evidentially proved it with miracles. So the third area, very, very important, my friends, the lack of the word of God, the lack of the word of God is keeping nations from heaven. And remember what Reinhard Bonnke said? He said, my job is to Take from hell and populate heaven. Well, I are Plundering this. hell. He said, "My populating job heaven. is to plunder hell and populate heaven."
1: One of the it's <laughs> not that great. It's powerful. One of the things <laughs> that I want to say for people that are watching, because so many in our generation, especially Pentecostals, charismatics, are being uh, criticized by those that would be the, the reformed believers. Those that and, and and let me tell you, it's 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 a problem because people that are just a little older than me and younger. It's, it's such a, a heavy, it really is a persecution. Let me explain something to you my father just said. If you are ever pressing in for these miracle signs and wonders, there will be Christians from those camps that'll tell you, God doesn't do that anymore. And if it is happening, that's the devil deceiving people into believing it's the Holy Spirit. Think about this logically. When John's disciples came to Jesus, and asked if he was the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus pointed to his healing miracles and his supernatural power as the proof that he was the Messiah. Now think about this. If the devil could duplicate those signs and wonders, it would have been irrelevant for Jesus to point at them as proof he was the Messiah because they would not be proof He was the Messiah if the devil could also do them. right? So why would Jesus point to them unless they were absolute proof
0: that he was the son of God? And he used it to validate who he was. The word. Go tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. So unless people want to argue that Jesus
1: Christ... Basically, if they're telling you that miracles, signs and wonders, healing miracles are something done by the devil as a deception, then they also have to logically say then Jesus Christ possibly was not the Messiah because he used that as the baseline proof that he was who he said he was. And it was what the apostles used after Jesus was gone to prove Jesus is still alive and that he's still doing what he said he would do. And then Jesus said, in John 14 and verse 12, the work, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these. So you'll not find a place scripturally where the devil ever healed anybody. You'll not find a place where demons made someone whole of a disease or a sickness or raised p- people from the dead. Those are the works of God, those are the works of Christ. And they are still working today For those that will preach the word, believe it, step out in faith and manifest it. There is no possible way to look at it any other way logically or from the scripture. And so don't be discouraged if somebody comes at you and says, well, that's not for today and speaking in tongues and healing and miracles. It's not for today. If it's not for today, then Jesus is dead. If it's not for today, then there is no Holy Spirit then there is no power of God. It is the same power working today that has worked since uh, the beginning of time because God existed before any person was ever created. God has always been the same. He has never, ever changed.
0: And so be encouraged. Right. God's going to use you in a mighty way. Now, let me just throw this in. I know we're coming to the end of our time, but a fourth area that I really think we need to put in the hearts of people the lack of the word decreases, if not banishes, the presence of Christ. Let that sink in. Jesus comes as a result of his word. We used to sing a song Oh, what a savior! Do you remember that song? Mm-hmm. Oh, hallelujah. Christ gave his life's blood for you and me. His hands were nail-scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for you and me. Our worship and music, when I was growing up, was based on the word of God. The story of the gospel inculcated these songs, and the presence of Jesus would come in the meetings, the anointing, as we sang songs filled with the word of God. This will make some of you mad, but A young boy committed suicide yesterday and a friend of mine reached out to me. He said his friend was killed by depression. I'm going to be even stronger than that. Your friend was killed from a dead church that sings dead songs and that had no cure for that boy's depression. And I know what I'm talking about. Friend, the lack of the word keeps the mighty presence of Jesus from coming to us. I've quoted it three times in each of the three blocks, the Spirit and the Word agree, the Spirit and the Word agree, but now let's make it more personal. Jesus works with the Word. And much, if not, I'd say 90% of the music nowadays is not only not filled with scripture, it's not even scriptural. True. And so our churches are having this unclean, stupid spirit of, of the devil written by drunks that because their fellowship is well known for their music, and I can name names, but oh, our worship leaders say, Oh, this is so wonderful. If it's not filled with the word, if the anointing's not on it, I I question you as a worship leader. Why would you do anything? that detracts from, that pulls down the word through songs that are embalmed in unbelief, to use Brother Higgins' phrase. Mm-hmm. What is your problem? <laughs> See, that's what I want to say. I've sat and endured worship services in some churches, and I'm thinking, I don't know how you're going to pull this out, Jesus, but I'm, I'm willing to be used. And what do I do, son? You know what I do. I'll get up and sing a song filled with the word of God before I preach. Mm -hmm. One pastor said, what are you doing? We already had our worship team. Well, I don't know what they were, but there was no anointing on what they were doing, so I gotta believe God so I can preach to the people and help them to get an anointing that the worship team didn't get. What is that about? It's the lack of the word and the understanding that that word of God is the venue, it is the gateway to the presence of Jesus Mm -hmm. coming, upon us, stirring up the gifts of the Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. And there's so much we could say, but I think this is very important. I know you've got a lot in your heart. I appreciate that my son does these worship summits. They're needed, but if we're gonna see a move of God, it's gonna be more than two boys strumming a guitar singing about blue skies and green grass. I was actually in a service. That was what the song was about. Uh, it, it's terrible, and you, the people, deserve better. And we that preach, we should stir ourselves up to present Christ by His Word in the best possible light. Amen. He's a good Jesus. Amen. He's a loving Christ. He's a healing Jesus. Amen. He's Jesus who is your friend that sticks closer than a brother. We've not covered it all, Tim, but this fourth area, I think, needed to be said, which is the lack of the word keeps us from the strong presence of the master.
1: Before we go, would you pray that people, number one, would have a hunger for the word, would stick to diligently believing the word, and that God would use them in miracles, signs, and wonders?
0: Before we Well, let's, first of all, give you a practical way I've seen on here, people say, I wish there was some way I could learn these things. My son, when he came to me some years back, he said, I'm going to do an online Bible training. uh, uh, Like pneumatology one was the first one and Mm -hmm. so forth. Teddy has prepared. And I want him to talk about this before I pray. He's prepared a way for you that are watching to learn more about the things of God. I've watched them. And I watched him do it, and he's called me a couple of times, questions he had. If you're serious, now this is not for you that are just foolish or carrying on or whatever. If you're serious about changing your world, you need to enroll in these Bible training classes. Uh, There are four of them. Is that right, Teddy? Yeah, currently we have
1: four uh, courses at Miracle Word University that you can be a part of. Our latest Mountain Moving Faith just released, uh, Answered Prayer, Divine Healing, Pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. In this course, we cover the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. When Pneumatology two releases, we'll deal with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, But these are all available right now, 20 plus hours of teaching uh, for only $199. That's $50 a month. You get one of the courses for free. Check it all out at MiracleWordU, the letter U, .com, and uh, it will it will build your faith, but it will also do what Peter encouraged us to do, is to have an answer for the faith or the hope that lies within us. You've got to know why you believe
0: what you, what believe. you believe. Very hmm. important. So I'm going to pray for you that are serious. Anyone that has stuck through this today, you've paid the price, and now you get rewarded because God always saves the best for last. I pray for you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus that appeared to me as a boy and called me and has anointed me these 40 some years. He's the Christ of God. I pray for you in his name. I pray for you by his authority that God has created, something in you that has made you hungry for more of Jesus this very week and for the word that we taught on today. I pray the promise of Matthew six, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness that they may be filled. God shall fill you to overflowing. I pray for you now to receive answers to your prayers. I pray for you now that faith has come up in your spirit and come alive according to the word you've received today. I pray for you that your family would be saved and healed. I pray for you that you would have tremendous breakthroughs in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for you that the clouds of confusion and unbelief drift away in part and the sunlight of God's love you right now. Yes. I pray all these blessings and things upon you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Listen, I want
1: to have a, take a minute and encourage you to sow a seed today. If you haven't done so this week already, take a minute by faith. God is touching people and bringing them violent increases. We've been confessing in 2020. That's what we're setting our faith for, violent increase, expedited favor. If you didn't hear me share the testimony, back in January, this stirred me up. We were in the middle of revival, and a man wrote to me on Twitter. He said, uh, not only have I been in every night of the revival, but I uh, signed a contract today after sowing a seed. It tripled my income for the year. Mm. Yesterday is powerful. Someone sowed a seed and uh, of $1,000. And then wrote in saying later that day, let Brother Ted know that after we sowed that $1,000 seed, we made $7,600 today. God, God is a God that honors his word, as my father was teaching. He said, given it shall be given unto you. Seed time and harvest is eternal. It'll never stop. Long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Genesis 8, 22. The testimonies keep coming in. And so if you feel it in your spirit, take a minute. And so let me encourage you. I encourage people this uh, this month on this. Maybe you have a, per, a business or a ministry. Maybe you've never sown a seed from your own personal business or from your own uh, ministry. Take a minute and do what you've never done and watch what God will do. You know, there, there has to come a time where you make up in your mind, I'm going to put God first in every area. As you do, watch God's hand come upon your business. Watch God's hand come upon your ministry financially. And the things that you never thought would come will quickly be in your hand. I started a business uh, years ago when I was still an associate and working on staff. I started it just on the side. I enjoyed doing the work, but I started it for the reason of having more seed to sow. When God saw that that was my heart, I had so much business come in with no radio ads, no TV ads, no billboards, no, no handing out literally just by word of mouth, the hand of God came on it. Thousands of dollars came in. I don't even know how people found out about me, but when God found out that the purpose of what I was doing was to have seed to sow, then I'm telling you the hand of God came upon it and that's what'll happen for you. God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, the Bible says, and God's gonna bless you. So ask the Lord what he would have you to sow today. And then for, listen, for every person that's standing with us in partnership for uh, this month of March, we're going to be sending you this powerful book uh, by Brother A.A. A. Allen, The Price of God's Miracle-Working Power, uh, for everybody that sows $85 or more in the month of March. And uh, this is one of the most powerful books. It changed his ministry. It's changed many ministries after, and it'll change your life in ministry as well. So for every person that sows 85 or more this month, we're going to send you that book. And then let me say, Kelly, if you're still on, you were asking what Bible I was talking about. We're sending this genuine leather uh, study Bible to every person that sows $1,000 or more this month. Um, This is a phenomenal tool. It's the Life Application Study Bible. It is filled not just with notes, but it breaks down the themes of every book, the blueprint of the book, the history of the book, what, I mean, I love this right here, the vital statistics, the purpose of the book, who was the author, who was the audience, when was it written, the setting, the key verses, the key people, has timelines, I love this, it even shows you maps of key places in the geography when the book was written, who it was written to. It's just filled with tools that help you go deeper in your study of the word. We're gonna send you this genuine leather copy in the New Living Translation to everybody that sows this month a thousand more. And Kelly, let me say, you were asking what study Bibles I do recommend. I'm just now really getting into this one. I love it. But for years, I've used Dake's notes on the Bible. They're phenomenal. And um, there might be one or two things here or there that you know we don't agree with doctrinally, but it's a phenomenal resource. Do you know um, he taught
0: dad and mom in Bible school, Phineas yep, Dake?
1: Yep. Ph- phenomenal notes. And so if you don't have a Dake's Bible, I would highly recommend getting one of those. And this Bible here also is phenomenal. Um, and, and, and it'll be a blessing to you. We love you guys so much. Listen, coming up for every woman that's watching, uh, coming up at 1230, just in really about 10 minutes, my mom and my wife are going to be going live inside the nonstop mom Facebook group uh, and doing a live stream, doing a question and answer. You don't want to miss that. No creepy guys are allowed. But if you're a woman watching the broadcast... They want to see you there at 12:30 p.m. Eastern time. Just about nine minutes, they're going to be going live. It's going to be great. So if you're not yet a member of the Nonstop Mom uh, private Facebook group, you can go on now. Just search Nonstop Mom on Facebook, and then just click to ask to join the group, and uh, they'll they'll bring you into the group. And you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. We love you guys. Big thank you to my dad for being here with me all week. Don't forget, Michigan, we're starting this Sunday at uh, Lakeside Assembly of God, Sunday, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 6 p.m., and then Monday through Wednesday at 7 p.m. And your clocks go ahead. That's right. We're springing forward on March the 8th, early, early in the morning. Um, And so don't miss it. All the details are at miracleword.com. And then uh, we want to see you there. So, And you're going
0: to be at Lakeside Assembly of God Sunday. Sunday for through the Wednesday. Days. I'm going to be at the Bedside Assembly of God Sunday. <laughs> I don't have a meeting. <laughs> and then
1: I'll be in Imlay City, Michigan uh, on the next following Sunday after that. And then with our friend, Pastor Bishop Marlon Reed on Wednesday night following that. So it's going to be great. I want to see you guys. If you're anywhere close, come and join us. We love you all. And uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. Have a good one.
0: Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.